back. This is Jeremy again, flying solo on episode nine of This Is Why I Drink. And as I told you in episode eight, I'm actually going to give you the titles of these episodes because it's just me. So there's not a lot of dialogue going on. And the title of episode eight was The Kool-Aid We Keep Drinking and the Manipulation of Equality. And in, in that episode, I ran through a list of eight things that I wanted to recap real quick that as I've said, all we do is constantly just talk these eight things to death, but we never fix any of them. Number one is race, racism. Number two is religion. Number three is sexism, gender equality, abortion. Number four is the LGBTQ community. Number five is immigration. Number six is homelessness. Number seven is gun control. Number eight is climate change. Never talk about education improving it, nothing. And if all eight of those things start to fail as far as keeping us divided as a country, then all of a sudden foreign policy is failing with some nation and we might be going to fucking war. And I mean, really think about it because that's true. That's all we do. That's all we talk about over and over and over again, but we never fix any of them. So that's why I'm structuring the podcast this way is because I had a lot of people ask me, well, are you going to talk about current events? Are you going to talk about, you know, like really pressing issues in the media, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, no, I'm not. Because I'm not here to do the same freaking song and dance that we've been doing for decades. I actually want to help start laying fundamental foundational principles to help us get out of this shit so we can improve as a country. If I want to do that, I can't talk about all the current event stuff. Yeah, it might make me popular. It might get me a quicker following. It's also not going to do shit in the long run. So no, I don't want to talk about all that. I want to focus on what actually matters. And that's why we're doing it this way. So again, welcome to episode nine. The title of this is Identity Politics, Identity Entitlement, and celebrity chess pieces. And I, you'll understand why I'm saying it that way. Now, to get into it, you guys know I'm, I'm big on definitions. And I want to actually focus on the real, true, root meaning of what these things are all about. So I'm going to read to you first the definition of identity politics. The definition of identity politics is a tendency for people of a particular religion, race, social background, etc. to form exclusive political alliances moving away from traditional broad-based party politics. Now let's go through that again. A tendency for people of a particular religion, race, social background, etc., to form exclusive political alliances moving away from traditional broad-based party politics. Now, if you remember what I discussed in episode eight, I talked about how constantly preaching that you're a free thinker, that you're an individual, that you speak what you feel, that you speak your individual truth, all keep us divided as a people. Well, then what the hell does identity politics do? That's the same shit. And yet, we fucking pander to it all the time. 
I mean, it is absolutely idiotic that we even consider this because if people really want to talk about, as I discussed in episode eight, equality, well, then this shit's got to die. Identity, anything other than identifying as a member of the human race has got to die when it comes to the division of our country. Because that's all it creates is more and more and more division. And I'm not a fan of that. So identity politics is, it's a cancer. And it doesn't make any sense to play to it on any scale. Now, the definition of entitlement, the first one is the fact of having a right to something. Well, there are very few things that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights actually say we have a right to, and those are all we should really ever focus on. The second portion says the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. That is much more applicable to our current social situation in this country because identity entitlement, again, I don't want to dive into religion or sexism yet. I want to stay on racism is bullshit. There's one race, the human race. That's it. That's all there is to it. And as I said, when I actually read the definition of racism, that I, I'm a firm believer the definition of racism should be hateful acts against humanity or malicious acts against humanity with hateful intent or malicious intent. That's what it should be. Because if you really, really want to break it down, the, the actual dictionary definition of racism stating that it's Characteristics and traits deemed inferior, specific and common to an ethnic group deemed inferior or superior by another, then every single fucking human being on the planet is a racist. Everybody, black, white, brown, clear, yellow, whatever, everybody is. Based on that definition alone, every single one of us is a fucking racist. So if we really, really want to go by literal terminology, we're either all racist or nobody's racist. Now, we could be prejudiced, which I agree with, because if you're prejudiced, it really means you don't know a damn thing about the person or group of people that you're being prejudiced towards. It's fear of the unknown. So it forces you to have to learn, which I think is a good thing. You're not, so either everybody's racist or nobody's racist. It's that simple. And again, going to entitlement, identity entitlement, when people say that I believe I, I'm privileged or I'm entitled to this or inherently this is mine. Well, bullshit. No, it's not. Now, unless you came from a family where there is a fortune with your name on it and it is written in black and white on paper that you are entitled to this legally, you're not entitled to shit in this lifetime. You're not. And more people need to start understanding that. So you've got identity politics, which is divisive to its core, based on what that actually means. You have identity entitlement, 
which creates a self-suffocating level of pride that creates even more division. And then you have celebrity chess pieces that we put on a platform and a pedestal that most of the time you should never really fucking listen to. And the reason I'm going through all this is because now I'm going to go down a timeline for you. People talk about racism now being worse than it's ever been. Well, one, no, it's not. Okay. I can guarantee you talk to anybody that grew up back in segregation, civil rights, Jim Crow days. They will say that today is nowhere near as bad as that was. And with that being said, I'm going to go a lot more. I'm going to go from a timeline that is a lot more recent and I'm going to start in the year 2000. In the United States of America, from 2000 to 2009, race, racial issues, and the like were becoming smaller and smaller on the scope of our country as a whole. Americans were continuously more welcoming. We were increasingly more multiracial, multiethnic, and we, as I said, we welcomed assimilation. We welcomed growing together. We we welcomed intermarriage. These things were phenomenal because, especially as those couples were intermarrying and reproducing, it really started doing away with the ability to categorize anybody purely based on outward appearance, superficial appearance, so on and so forth. The term white privilege during those years didn't exist as a mainstream form of division because as a country we were just as aware of impoverished white people in rural America as we were impoverished, quote-unquote, ethnic groups and people of color in urban areas. Now, the reason I say, quote-unquote, people of color is because white's a fucking color. So I hate that. The only reason I'm saying it is because it's relatable. Otherwise, I can't stand that word or that phrase. We were just as aware of both sides during that time. And during that time, the gentleman that was in office for our country, obviously George W. Bush, for all of his faults, one thing that he did incredibly well was he carried himself with humility and dignity and he treated everybody the same. You know, even he even went so far as the after 9-11 to make sure that he called Islam on national television a religion of peace. And he did it so that as a country, we wouldn't immediately start going after and rounding up every Muslim across the country. He saw what was coming down the road after the attacks during 9-11. Now, whether you believe that was an inside job or whatever the case may be is irrelevant to the point that I am currently making that he treated everybody the same. He didn't care what your religion was. He didn't care what your skin color was. And the fact that he would go on national television and make a statement calling and saying Islam is a religion of peace to help us stay away from pure chaos and anarchy as a whole, that right there speaks volumes to the character of his leadership. Again, for all his faults, whether you are talking about the war on terror, any of those things, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fundamental fabric of us as a people in this country. He was a great example of how to treat people equally. And 
Even when Kanye West during Hurricane Katrina said George W. Bush doesn't care about black people, Bush never attacked him. He never went for the jugular on those things. He still carried himself with dignity. Now, even when in Iraq, the reporter threw shoes at him, he dodged him. I was pretty impressed with his impressed with his reflexes, to be honest with you, right there. I didn't know that that old guy could move that quickly. And he he didn't ever attack the guy. He didn't sit there and cuss him out, sit there and speak poorly of him. He smiled after the last one missed him and went on with the conference. So from 2000 to 2009, again, for all his faults, we had a hell of an example of just somebody who was a good human being. Unfortunately, all that changed in 2009. And for anybody that's listening to this and is going to sit there and accuse me of attacking a black man in Barack Obama, I'm not. First and foremost, the dude's two-thirds white. I don't care what anybody says. All right. And the reason I say two-thirds white is his mom's white and he was raised by his white grandparents. And nobody can tell me that if he had been raised by his Kenyan father, he would have been that well-spoken. And that's not a racist thing to say. That's just purely a dialect situation because there's no way if he was raised in a Kenyan household, he would have been that well-spoken. That's because I know Kenyans. I know Nigerians. They're not, it's not a racist thing. He was much more well-spoken because he was raised in a Caucasian home in that regard. That was the opportunity he was given. So again, to sit there and say I'm attacking a black man, bullshit. He's mixed. All right. Let's not church this shit up. All right. The problem is that after running on a platform of equality and flat out saying there is no white America, there is no black America, there is no left America, there is no right America, there is only the United States of America. Obama immediately switched gears and started driving division in our country by pandering to a very specific few groups. Okay. And anybody that sees the forest for the trees on why there is so much hatred in our country now versus prior to Obama coming into office understands what I'm saying. It's not a hateful thing. It's not a racist thing. It's fact. He drove division by pandering to specific groups of minorities and another group that we'll talk about in a f- down the road. He played the identity politics game and the identity entitlement game to a T. And both of those things increased exponentially in this country on a very negative scale to the point that you know after after the situation in Ferguson for instance you had instead of people saying listen we definitely don't agree with the result here we don't agree with the ruling we're going to appeal it we're going to do it the right way cuz we want to show that we understand the system and we're going to do this the way that we believe we should do it as you know as reputable Citizens of the United States, we're going to go after this the right way and we're not going to stop until we see justice. Instead of that, the very first thing you heard was some dude yell, we're going to burn this fucking town to the ground. What the fuck? He just loses his mind. Well, <laughs> that would have never flown during the Bush administration on any scale. 
Now, though, you've got Obama in office. And if anybody says anything specific to the ethnic group that was involved in that riot, well, then you're going to be called a racist. Because you just don't understand what they're going through. You don't understand. Well, I don't have to fucking understand to know that what they did was wrong. I mean, that's fundamental. That's simple. That is not a skin color thing. They're dipshits for doing that. End of story. So that's what I I wanted to also help people understand about why I'm approaching these things the way I am is because we didn't deal with this stuff for eight years. And then we had eight years of it building up to where you can't say anything no matter how accurate it is to in a negative fashion about a black guy, a Hispanic guy, a Middle Eastern guy, an Indian guy, a woman of any ethnicity whatsoever. And without being labeled a misogynist, a racist, it doesn't, you can't say shit. No matter how poor they are acting, you couldn't say a word. And that man laid the platform for all of those things. And it was a genius move. I mean, I got to give the guy credit that it was a genius move because when I first heard him give his speech on race, when I first heard him say there's no white America, no black America, I had a ton of hope for him thinking he is the one president who could have continued unifying us with the same dignity that George W. Bush had. And unfortunately, he went in the exact opposite direction. And again, like I said, his strategy was genius because in 2008, he ran on a platform of equality. And then once he had reignited all of those feelings of hate and anger from the people that were still alive, that had gone through the civil rights movement, that had gone through Jim Crow, that had gone through all the segregation, once he had poured gasoline back on those coals that were almost out and we were making so much progress together as people, not as separate quote-unquote races, as a human race, we're making so much progress. And all he did was throw gas right back on and even throw a match on there to help it out. And after all that hatred all that animosity, all those feelings consumed all those people. What was game over? Because then in 2012, he runs on a platform of healthcare for all, which has been a gigantic failure. And of course he wins in a landslide victory against somebody like Mitt Romney, who is completely unrelatable to anybody else other than the Mormon church. Like I said, a strategy was genius because a lot of people don't know that Obama was also the chair of the Health and Human Services Committee from 2003 to 2004. He knew what he was doing. He knew the hot buttons to push. Just like I'll say Trump knew the hot buttons to push in 2016. My point is that he knew what he was doing. He knew how to turn it. He knew how to manipulate it. Going back to episode eight, the manipulation of equality. He's not stupid. Now, I don't know him individually as a human being. So I can't say that I think he's a bad human being. I can say that he 
made a lot of bad moves when he was given power and authority over a country that he should have been leading instead of dividing. And he didn't do it. During his administration, we also started seeing the rise of, as I said, celebrity chess pieces. The first one I'm going to talk about is is uh, very interesting because I, <laughs> I am still blocked on Twitter, at least for my personal account, that this is why a drink account is still running. However, my personal account has been blocked since February 24th. So for almost five no- months now, my personal account has been blocked, banned, whatever you want to call it, for posting a tweet about LeBron James, who has been one of the biggest celebrity chess pieces I could ever even see out there. And he's done nothing good. LeBron James, for all his talents on the basketball court, is one of the most divisive people in our country when it comes to issues of quote-unquote race. He's not a good guy when it comes to that. He's just not. He drives a wedge. He preaches entitlement constantly, plays the weaponized, plays the weaponized victim to a T. And then when he catches backlash, he doesn't do anything to change. He doesn't do anything to look himself in the mirror and say, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done that. And since February 24th, I have been blocked on Twitter for posting this. I posted an article from ESPN that says LeBron James questions Lakers experience and sense of urgency. And he was talking about making the playoffs. So I post in response to that. It has begun all aboard the SS passive aggressive LBJ whiny bitch pansy ass leadership train choo choo. And I tagged him in it. Yeah, I tagged LeBron because I'm sitting here going, okay, if you want to deny that you are a passive-aggressive little pansy-ass of a leader, well, you can't because you ran away from Cleveland to chase a title. You came back to Cleveland with another big three to win a title, got your ass handed to you three out of four times, or yeah, three out of four times, and then you go to L.A. And every team he's ever been on, All he does is whine, bitch, and complain about his teammates to the media, then has to backpedal in the locker room and then buys them all fucking gifts to try to smooth it over. He's a dipshit. And he doesn't understand. He had a group of guys, yeah, other than JaVel McGee and Rajon Rondo, none of them have won a title. So he's got two guys on that team that have won a title and everybody else is so green it's ridiculous and then he bitches about them not knowing how to win and having a sense of urgency. Well, no shit, dumbass. And I've been blocked because of that. That guy is just a god-awful example. The last one I'm going to talk about when it comes to celebrity chess pieces is somebody that's just a joke and that is Colin Kaepernick. And the reason he's a joke is because the only reason he's doing any of this stuff right now is to try to quote-unquote stay relevant. Because on August 14th in 2016, he decided he was going to kneel at the National Anthem. Well, he did, and he kept it going. And his entire platform was about social injustice for colored people, people that are oppressed, police brutality, so on and so forth. Okay, Kept talking about cops. Kept talking about cops. 
Well, he got blackballed by the NFL, essentially, which he should have, because he was causing infinitely more trouble than he was worth. And then at the beginning of this last season, he gets signed by Nike to launch this massive campaign about stand for something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Now, remember, I just talked about how his entire platform was oppression of people of color, police brutality. Well, this last year, he also decided he was going to trademark his black and white silhouette of him with an afro. This trademark was going to be used for multiple things. The one I'm going to talk about is going to show why he's just an absolute piece of shit. Because after t- after touting this entire platform of oppression, police brutality, blah, blah, blah. The ESPN article talking about him copywriting his silhouette or trademarking it says, and I quote, The filing also says the image could be used in association with providing classes, workshops, seminars, and camps in the field of self-empowerment and awareness to properly interact with law enforcement. You got to understand this. Police brutality, oppression of people of color, and then trademarks a silhouette to be used in camps, seminars, and workshops in the field of self-empowerment and awareness to properly interact with law enforcement. So he just completely negated everything that his entire protest was about. Your entire protest was purely about police brutality. Now, in this article, you're flat out admitting that some of these fucking people aren't acting right when it comes to interacting with cops. So why would you sit there and be another weapon of division in this country? Why not sit there and just say, listen, there are some cops that are assholes. And yes, we need to get rid of them. There are also some people of color and people in general that just don't know how to act around law enforcement. And we got to teach them how to act the right way when it comes to interacting with law enforcement. Why not sit there and recognize both sides Why cause more trouble because you want to get paid all because of the fact that you know your NFL career is on the outs. You're done. Your career was in complete and utter just downward spiral decline. So the only reason you're saying this shit, Kaepernick, is to stay relevant. Because we go from you getting your silhouette trademarked, completely destroying any validity about your initial protest, not hearing from you for over a year and then all of a sudden you say that the Betsy Ross Nike flag shoes that were going to come out for the 4th of July were offensive and so Nike yanks them off the shelf you got to be shitting me dude you go from police brutality oppression of colored people to We need to learn how to act appropriately with law enforcement. Again, completely sabotaging and showing that you were full of shit on your first protest. And then the Betsy Ross flag is somehow offensive. You got to be kidding me, man. You've got to be kidding me. So that's why I say celebrity chess pieces. Because guys, it's a giant song and dance. 
if you don't recognize that and realize that, then you're still drinking the Kool-Aid. And we got to stop drinking the damn Kool-Aid. You got to stop listening to all these morons out there that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play a game and beyond that have very little common sense whatsoever. And understand, normal, everyday, hardworking people have got to just start conducting themselves with humility, self-awareness, and personal accountability without justification, treating everybody else the way that they genuinely want to be treated, and we'll be okay. It's not going to be that tough. We can fix this. But if you keep drinking the Kool-Aid and listen to all these dipshits out there and focus on living litty and living loud and being unique, well, we're never going to get along. We're never going to fix any of this. We're going to keep running on the same hamster wheel. It's idiotic. People talk about Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James as being social justice warriors. And they're the two I wanted to focus on because they've been the two biggest lightning rods in all of this, you know, second maybe recently only to Rapino from the U.S. women's team who is just a, that entire team is trash. Their accomplishment was great. I'll give them credit for that. Beyond that, they are trash. If you watch any of the videos that have been posted by them on social media, that they're no better than some chick just twerking her ass on Instagram and getting dudes to pay to watch it or something. They are literally, with the way they conducted themselves, they are no better in that regard. So you take those two individuals and then that team, I will put them up against somebody like Michael Jordan all day long because people just completely railroaded Jordan back in his playing days for not supporting a black Democratic candidate during his presidential run. And I want you to really think about the phrase that Jordan used after he was being ostracized and railroaded for not supporting this Democratic candidate. Compared to all these people who just want to constantly drive division, 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 and hate, 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 hate. When railroaded and ostracized for not supporting a black Democratic candidate, Michael's response was, Republicans buy sneakers too. Think about that. Really think about it. Because that is a brilliant line saying, I'm... I'm not going to play to one specific side just because I'm black. I'm not going to sit here and bow down and pander to these quote-unquote movements that everybody want to start. I'm going to treat everybody equally. I'm going to treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. They buy sneakers too. So why am I going to sit there and worry about the black community telling me what I have to do to support this one human being. I'm going to support everybody. To me, that makes Michael Jordan 10 times the social justice warrior that LeBron, Colin Kaepernick, and the U.S. women's national team are. Because he said, they're people, and I'm going to treat everybody like people. That's it. So guys, you got to digest this stuff from a very fundamental standpoint. If we really want to fix all this, and I mean really want to fix it, not just say we do, not just bullshit everybody. 
Stop giving all these fuckers all this attention that don't deserve it. Start showing appreciation for the plumbers, the HVAC guys, you know, the bus drivers, the people that actually perform daily tasks, the janitors, the people that really help this country keep going. Not the celebrities that have a lifestyle you're not ever going to have. Stop building them up. Let's start building our own foundation. Have a great week. This is why I'm drinking.